Voice of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This sermon explores what does true peace look like? Why does it seem harder than ever to find peace? How did Mary find peace when she was told by an angel she would be raising the Messiah? Today we're starting with Advent 2. Don's going to talk, kind of merge 1 and 3 next week a little bit. So uh, today the quest for peace. What is peace? Uh, from our scripture today, we have uh, Mary and jo- Mary learning from the angel Gabriel that she's going to be having a child. Uh, she's a virgin, but she's still going to bear this child, and this child is going to be the Messiah. I think there's parallels here with Mary and Luke because they're both called to a greater responsibility. A great burden is put on them. Do you think these two characters, these two people, experience peace? Or was it hard for them to experience peace? Having this weight on them, Luke, if you don't know Star Wars, most of you probably know the name Luke Skywalker, but if you haven't watched Star Wars, He's a little farm boy that got taken uh, off on a big journey, a, a journey and an adventure bigger than himself. Uh, he, had, he had parents that he never knew. He lived with his aunt and uncle, who later uh, were killed. He didn't have a lot of peace getting yanked out of his current situation. And this is the same for Mary. She's just been told by an angel. First of all, angel comes to you. That doesn't feel very peaceful, right? You're probably terrified. And then second, you're going to carry the child, the child of God, that is going to take care of the sins of all the world. It's going to be the Messiah. It's going to come, he's going to come to rescue you. Rescue the world, the galaxy, everything. That's a lot to put on one person. Could they have true peace? Now, what is peace? Because peace could, you could look at a picture like this and be like, that just feels very peaceful. But what does that mean? Is it just quiet? Well, we have the discovery time. I said, have you heard your parents say, I just need some peace and quiet? Sometimes we think of peace as just like, I just need solitude. I don't need any noise. I just need to be by myself. That is one form of peace. But that's not the peace I'm going to be talking about today. Sometimes peace for other people means being certain. If you feel certain about something, then you feel peace. But what are we getting at today? I think for me, uh, my personality type, I'm kind of a, a peaceful person. And uh, there's, there's two differences here. So my, I tend to peacekeep. Now peacekeeping means you just calm everything down, make everybody happy, right? Let's not get in conflict, let's not shout at each other, let's not have any tension, let's just keep the peace. When in reality, a better version of that is a peacemaker. A peacemaker is somebody who's able to take all sides and the tension and work with it and create peace from that, rather than kind of shoving it off to the side and just saying, let's just get along. Many of us probably experienced that at Thanksgiving last week where it was like, here are the two, two rules for our Thanksgiving dinner. No talk of politics or religion, all right? We're going to keep the peace. 
And so my default tends to be peacekeeping. But I mistake the absence of conflict for peace because peace doesn't always mean that conflict isn't there. It's hard to find peace these days. My soul is weary. Uh, The past year, it's been very weary because there's been a lot of different things going on in my life. Now, the next part of the sermon, next half of the sermon, is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be talking about some of my experiences. And as a pastor, you often hear people's critiques of sermons. Not yours, but you'll hear it from somebody else's, so you learn from that. And one of them I have heard is that uh, people say, the pastor just talked about himself the whole time. I'm going to talk about myself, okay? But, but in a way that I hope when we talk about our own stories and we share them with others, that it gives people hope that they're not alone. When the more we share about our own stories, the more people know that there are... So this isn't self-indulgent or ego-driven or anything like that, but just to know that we all have things in our life that keep us from true peace. And so, to start off with, we have uh, the scripture for today. Uh, Mary is being told by the angel that she'll bear this child, and it'll be the Messiah. And, sorry, I think my mic keeps cutting out. Does it cut out for you guys? Okay. All right. Uh, A baby. And Mary is concerned, because she's like, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. And this is a gift given to her, a gift that maybe she didn't even want. This past year, uh, Michelle and I have been going through fertility treatments. And we've been trying since 2019. I know that's a weird phrase to say a lot to people. Uh, But uh, that's been a journey of ours. And this year has been more of a journey with doctors and going uh, going to different things, getting shots, appointments, all that stuff. So this has disrupted some kind of peace. It's a peace that you kind of wonder, what's wrong with us? What did we, did we do something wrong? Is God punishing us somehow? Are we not doing enough? Now I know that uh, sharing this is a very vulnerable thing, so I also wanna share how you can support, right? Because I know, I know some of the, the feeling, uh, the, the temptation for people would be to come to us and say, hey, I have some advice. No. <laughs> We've heard all of it, you know, and uh, it's one of those things where to support is just to ask questions. How are you doing? How's it going? Um, all of that is very helpful, but this piece in our life has been one of those things that kind of sits in the back of your mind constantly, and it never leaves. So have I felt true peace this year? I don't know. I don't think so. I think another part of it has been, has been the transition of pastors. It started way back, probably almost a year ago now, I had lunch with Russ, and he said, I'm going to retire in the summer. And I was like, I... (laughs) But here's the true feeling about it. 
Well, uh, <laughs> it's my water bottle. All right, so here's the true feeling. Uh, now I had been at New Hope uh, as of last January, seven years. And so I was up for sabbatical. So I was thinking, I might take my sabbatical in July and August. <laughs> and I had talked to him about that before that lunch at some point. And then I was like, the first thing I think I said was, I guess I'm not taking that sabbatical this year. But since then, it's been this kind of roller coaster of a ride that there isn't any peace for me even at this place because there's constant moving parts all the time with this transition. First, it was only me and a few select people knew for about a month before Russ told everybody else. That was awful. Uh, and then when that came out, then it's all these different questions. It's all questions about, Jordan, are you staying? What, you know, what are your hopes for the future? What do you want to do? You're not leaving us. And then we had the transition team. We looked for the transitional pastor, and we got Don and all that stuff. It's all good stuff. It's all transition. Then Don arrives. And I think now, the past month, I'm finally just catching up to all that transition, that there's this weariness of knowing that the person that I worked with every day for seven years isn't here, somebody who's a mentor to me, somebody I cared about deeply, uh, somebody that I went to often for advice that helped me become the pastor I am today is suddenly gone out of your life. That, on top of the fertility stuff, it's been a year where I don't think I felt peace and probably won't be available for a while because transitions is ongoing, right? Because not only having Don here, we're going to get comfortable for a little while, and all of a sudden, well, Don's gone, and we have a new pastor. Transition again. It's all good stuff, but I just want to share with you that there are pastors, and even myself, that there are real genuine emotions with this. And it is hard, but you have to work at it. Another part that is... A little more vulnerable, um, deeply emotional for me. This is my brother, uh, Blake. And that's his dog, Henry. Henry's a sweet boy. Uh, he's old, though, very old. Uh, my brother, Blake, uh, came out to me uh, a couple of years ago. And it has caused, in our lives, uh, a kind of disruption and tension and conflict with others that didn't have to deal with before. I think when, when you don't have a family member who is not in the LGBTQ community, it's easy to say things. It's easy to say, you know, I don't agree with it, theologically, biblically, all that stuff. But when it becomes part of your family, it's different. To hear the struggles and the experience of my brother made me realize a lot of my own privileges that I have. He told me when he came out to me, and I, we had a long discussion, uh, and he said, you know, I can't, I can't, I have to think twice about holding my boyfriend's hand in public, because there may be people that wish harm when they see that. I haven't had to think about that by holding Michelle's hand in public. 
And then things like a couple weeks ago with the Colorado Springs and the Club Q shooting, it, it, it hits differently. And all that week, there was no peace. Knowing that a place that could be safe for my brother was no longer safe. Now I'm worrying about where are you this weekend? What are you doing? Because that's an entire, it's, it's a greater possibility. He just texted me this week and said there was uh, a man who went to uh, a gay club in Minneapolis where he lives uh, down the street that went and threatened openly to shoot and harm gay people. And, the, you know, there's, there's friends and family and people who maybe don't agree with what they, would, what they would call lifestyle choice, but refuse also to learn more about his experience. So there's all kinds of tension and conflict, as you may know. That's been going on for a couple of years. But you start snowballing all these things, the Blake transition, infertility, and I don't let it fully hit me. Sometimes I'm a regular guy. I suppress my emotions. <laughs> I push them deep down. I don't want to see them again. But I have found this fall that I can't do that anymore. It's harming myself. And I know, especially for, for Blake, there's well-intentioned Christians who say things uh, that try to be comforting, but also try to stick to their guns a little bit. Uh, if you're one of those Christians, I just want to say you don't have to do that. You can fully accept people and still not agree with it. You can fully accept people and still hold your own religious beliefs. He had a friend reach out to him, and his friend, kind of the feeling of the text to him was that, if I was a better friend to you, maybe this wouldn't have happened. So, peace, kind of hard to come by this past year. But I think one of these quotes, this quote from Henry Nouwen, uh, strikes deeply with me. It's that the deep truth is that our human suffering uh, need not be an obstacle to the joy and peace we so desire, but it can become instead the means to it. That somehow through suffering, through hurt, through pain, through kind of chaos, transitions, all of that, that's actually the means to find true peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. We go back to Luke Skywalker. We see his journey. Uh, I'm not going to say spoiler alert because Star Wars has been around forever. Uh, we meet Luke first when he's a young man, doesn't know his parents, he lives with his aunt and uncle, they get killed, Obi-Wan Kenobi becomes a mentor, he dies in the first movie, and then he goes on this journey of trying to become this Jedi because that's part of his heritage, is in his blood, and he becomes one of the greatest Jedis ever. And then we catch up with him 30 some years later in the new trilogy, and he's this cranky old hermit. So what happened? There was somehow peace in there when he became a Jedi. He knew what he was doing, but somewhere along the way, 
But things changed. And it was because he felt like he failed his nephew who went to the dark side. He felt like the Jedi failed altogether, that maybe the world and the galaxy would be better without them. But then, in that being a hermit and trying to get away from everything, he was just looking for the peace and quiet peace. Just don't want want to deal with any of the conflict. And so the he asked Yoda, who became uh, his teacher in the Empire Strikes Back, said, but how am I to know the good side from the bad? Puzzled, you will know, Yoda answered, when you are at peace, calm, and passive. And so Luke maybe took this a little too literally later on in life, the passive part. But there is a calmness to true peace, right? That no matter what's going on in the world or around you, that, that you're grounded in a peace. That's what the Jedi teach in Star Wars. But then in the last Jedi, that's the middle movie, the second movie of the new trilogy, he realizes in that movie that being passive and being a hermit and having peace and quiet isn't the solution. But the solution to real peace is to find that third way. That he then fought is it the Empire? I can't remember what it's called. It's the Empire in the new series. Uh, but he did it through his Force Ghost. I know that sounds weird if you don't know Star Wars. But, so he showed up to fight, but actually wasn't there. Right? It was a projection of him. That he was able to fight without actually causing harm. But still to stand up for those who are vulnerable. The last piece of the rebellion to give them enough time to escape. Then he passes away from that. Passes away. I don't know if that's the right term because he like disappears. Uh, But that was true peace then that he found. I think peace takes time. But even more strongly, peace creates time by its steadfast refusal to force the other to submit in the name of order. Peace is not a statistic or statistic, static state, but an activity that requires constant attention and care, an activity by its very nature that takes place over time. Peace isn't just something, a static moment, but it's constantly working towards it. Think about Caesar at the time of uh, our stories for Advent, and then putting that as a parallel to the empire that Caesar gives a vision for a kingdom. Caesar says, I will protect you. I'll give you security. I will give you peace. But Jesus, in John 14, 27, says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I give to you not as the world gives. Don't be troubled or afraid. People at the time hearing this from Jesus didn't need to be told that he was talking about Caesar in the Roman Empire, they just knew what he was saying. That peace and security that he's promising, I'm promising something different. It's something deeper than that. And it's shalom. And if we think of shalom, if we go back to kind of the definitions from our brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith, 
Shalom is this weird word in Hebrew that can't have a real clear translation. It means so many things at once. But the best one is talk about the shalom is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation and justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets had called it. We call it peace. But it means far more than just a mere peace of mind or peace and quiet. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. The way things were supposed to be, and the way things ought to be, and the way things will be at some point. Shalom, peace, is one of the richest words in the Bible. It's the work of God that when complete releases streams of living water in us and it pulsates throughout eternal life. Every time Jesus healed, forgave, or called, someone, called on someone, we have a demonstration of shalom. Jesus is showing us pictures of shalom. So peace isn't something we achieve now. We're in a state of finding peace, a state of working towards that shalom together as a community, as individuals, as families, and friends. It takes time. Working towards things, working towards the way things ought to be. So if I look at my journey in the past year, the weariness of my soul between fertility and my brother, transitions, to work at it to the point of knowing that this won't last, that this is a season, that someday all things will be shalom. That's the true peace and working towards it together each and every day. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean there isn't going to be conflict or tension. But to work through that, to work towards shalom, is true peace. So no matter where you are in your life right now, where maybe you're experiencing disruptions in your own peace in your life, may you be grounded in the shalom that this won't last, that things will be different, that we work together to make things different, to be steady and grounded in that peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.